My guests today have competed seven times in the Eurovision Song Contest, winning once and several top places during the last 10 years. She's a Swede, like me, and one of the most famous non-famous singwriters we have. How come she competed so many times for Azerbaijan, but only one time in the Swedish pre-selection? Well, that and much more I am gonna try to reveal today, and I hope my questions won't have her running scared. This is Eurovision Legends, I am Emil Löfström, and off we go! Welcome to Eurovision Legends, Sandra Bjurman. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. How are you? Um, I'm good under the circumstances. I mean, the whole world is upside down, but yeah, we're doing okay. Your first song on the Eurovision stage was in 2010. And before we talk about this particular song, I want to ask if this was your first attempt to participate in the Eurovision Song Contest. Yeah, it definitely was. I mean, I didn't have an intention to actually be a part of uh, this big competition. Uh, it just happened. It's never been like an ambition or even a, something that's crossed my mind even as a writer. But um, I worked with the, um, a guy called Anders Bagger a lot. And he actually got the request. And he, we were in the studio, me and Stefan, and working out where he lives at Ekera. And he just jumped down. He was like, hey, guys, you know, I just got this request. What do you say? Should we do it together? You know, I think we would be a great team for it. And, and we said, yes, why not? Let's run with it. Let's do it. And then, yeah, we wrote that song like that afternoon. So The final cool. in Azerbaijan in 2010 was rather special. Three songs and three artists and all artists sang all three songs. Safira won and the winning song would be announced three weeks later. And this was Drip Drop. Yeah, I just have like vague memories from this time. <laughs> it's like 10, 10 years ago. But yeah, and I, and I don't actually think that I was so involved because I was just like, yeah, let's write that song. And when that afternoon had passed, I kind of let the guys run with it. And like, I know Stefan was down, like doing the re vocal recordings that I normally do, you know, since then. But I just remember to, that I, I was really surprised and super happy when I heard her singing on it too, because she sings amazing and she really does the, the song justice. to me was married to Anders Bagge at this time and I was staying at their house many times and Anders told me that he never got paid for Drip Drop from Azerbaijan. I wonder, did you see any money? Um, oh, is it strange now if I say I didn't know there was supposed to be any money paid out? <laughs> <laughs> Oops. <laughs> but no, no, I didn't. I mean, I, I've seen the, the regular like thin um, fees that we get you know like uh, every year but i didn't see any money up front no and i and i honestly didn't know that there was any plan for us so i'm kind of happy that he didn't somehow if, yeah. i mean it's one thing uh, paid for a production is one thing to get paid for a song and if you're like yeah i mean we always split equal of course yeah, yeah. 
uh, a beloved guest in our Swedish podcast, Britta Bergström, who won both with uh, Euphoria and Heroes as a backup singer, told me that you get a lot of money singing backup for Russia. So much money that you'll do it even with a herniated spinal disc as she had. <laughs> so I must ask, you can't buy a small horse or a big house with the money from Azerbaijan? I could honestly say with the fees for drip drop, no, I couldn't. Uh, no, I've had to work for my house with other songs. Yeah, definitely. The demo song of Drip Drop, I believe you sang it. Yeah, I normally do the, the demos for the vocals, yeah. Can we listen to a snippet of it? Of course. Tell me where have you Eurovision in 2010 was held in Oslo. Were you there? Uh, oh, that's a good question. Uh, yeah, I actually was. Yeah. I remember that this song was one of my favorites in 2010 until she turned up on stage because this can be one of the most over-choreographed performance ever. Yeah. And, yeah, and I wonder but... here, as a writer of the song, how much do you have to say regarding the final performance on stage? Uh, that's a tricky one. I mean, this year, it was the first time we were included and had a song. And so we were pretty like new. So we didn't think about that aspect, the visuals and everything at all. So I was as surprised as you. And I was just like, oh, because we, I mean, we had really good odds of actually taking the gold that year with that song. Yeah. But uh, I felt uh, the same as you did. Like when she turned up on stage, I was like, okay, this is not going to win because it it doesn't really like transfer because it wasn't so like heart filled because it was so choreographer and like really thought through until like yeah it kind of like killed the vibe a little bit but uh no so that year we didn't have anything to say about it but then the following year we kind of knew that okay if we want to have a good you know shot at winning this we really have to be involved in every aspect from background singer to clothes to makeup to yeah the whole choreography and yeah tutti You got a fifth place, despite the choreography. And the year after, you were back in Eurovision, and again for Azerbaijan. Tell me, was Running Scared the only song you were involved in for Azerbaijan this year? Um, I think it actually was. Um, I know that Stefan, my colleague that I normally write a lot of Eurovision things with, he got asked to come down and like do the productions for the, the, I think they had picked like 10 songs or something. And so he was down there doing productions and like working with the singers and the, uh, yeah, and the singers. And, and then I think they didn't have a song and I had written, um, running scared with Stefan like half a year before just after like leaving an idol camp and we were really like drained 
running scared with one of their songs that um, it just came there in the moment. You know, he just played like really simple accords on his guitar and I kind of sang the whole song like from start to the end, you know, and then I've, of course, um, um, changed some lyrics in the verses and stuff. But I, I think that I actually had the whole, um, uh, both melody and uh, lyric for it, that um, chorus. So uh, and we just didn't know what to do with the song. So then when they asked us again, after like, okay, we still don't have the song. Stefan was just like, you know what? Like we have, we have different songs that we can go and get, but we have one song that we just think, you know, it's just magic. And it came, you know, when it came, it was magic. And, and they heard that song and, and like three other songs that he picked from other writers and they did new selection and they went with Running Scared. Do you remember if uh, the song was presented for others than Elle and Nikki? I think that since it was the uh, second selection kind of like under a lot of stress. I think they had went like they had decided on them, but they, they didn't have the song yet. Okay. Normally they, yeah, normally they decide artists and then they go with like, they do demos maybe like, like this year they did like seven demos with the artists they had picked. Okay. So they normally pick the artists first. You sang this demo too. Can we please listen to it? Yeah, of course. Come to me, come to me tonight. God, I need you. Anyway, baby, I just want to be, be around you all the time. Oh, God, I need you. Oh, I'm running out scared tonight. As we all know, your song won in Düsseldorf. I was actually there uh, as a stylist with the Schwarzkopf team. And I must say that it came like a shock to me that Azerbaijan won. I never saw that victory coming. What was your reaction? Yeah, I was as shocked as you. <laughs> That's an easygoing song. And I mean, everything was just easy. And it happened so fast. And I mean, we weren't supposed to be there because I, yeah, we were working on something else. And we like, we, we didn't really have time to come down. And they called us after the first jury vote, uh, when they had, when that had been announced, they called us and said, you know what, like, you should probably be here if, you know, if we end up like winning it. And yeah. we were just like, yeah, what's the odds, you know, but so we came down the night before. Oh. And we sat out on the arena and uh, yeah, and then, then we won and I, and I didn't even know how, you know, they counted the vote. So when we won, I, I turned to my neighbor, you know, and I was just like, uh, okay, but now we're going to wait for the other votes, right? Like from the public. And he was just like, but no, like, this is it. And I was like, what do you mean we won? You know, <laughs> so it was really like, like a shock. But I, I, I think the whole number, I mean, I, I love the choreography for it and the freshness of Lars Valin's clothes and the fact that, you know, they were so dynamic together, like, and our beautiful background singers. And it just, I, yeah, I was shocked. But at the same time, it kind of felt like, okay, cool. You know, yeah. it was an easygoing song. Yeah. In retrospect, I can absolutely understand that it won because it's very beautiful on stage and it's a beautiful song and everything, as you say, was perfect on stage. But it, it was a shock. It really was a shock yeah. for me. Uh, and it's not a typical like Eurovision song, you know. 
The year after, Baku was the host city, and for the third time in a row, Sandra Bjurman wrote the song for Azerbaijan. And now it was starting to become almost a tradition. Yeah, and almost a bit awkward. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder, how like, does uh, this generally work? Do you submit songs to Azerbaijani television just as anyone else would? Or do they basically just phone you up and ask, what have you got for us this year? Well, I mean, it kind of sounds like the last one, like the last, but it's not. We submit like everyone else if they ask. Uh, and they asked, of course, as we won, you know, the year before, they asked for like songs. And, and that's the only song that we send. So we don't like really like sit down and give it a, like very, very, very much time. We just focus on doing one good song. And if they pick it, they pick it. And if not, they don't. And we can, you know, we can use it for something else. And that's what we did that year. Yeah. I love that song. It's lyrically just so beautiful, the metaphors for it. And that, yeah, it's it's my type of writing. I, I mean, I'm very much a lyricist too. So I, I love like you're working with metaphors and trying to say things in a new way that feels a bit fresh, even though we're doing pop. And yeah, and I, I'm really proud of that, that one, lyrically wise, yeah. And why not listen to your version of the song? <laughs> Again, yes, let's go. When the music dies, it's all black and white, and there's no sunrise. When the music dies, now you, you can't even look at me. The following year, you were one of the composers behind the song Only the Dead Fish Follow the Stream with Louis Hofstein in Sweden's Melodifestivalen. So your first time in your own country's preselection came after you had already competed three times in Eurovision for another country. Did that feel weird? Um, it felt a bit weird. I mean, I had had a song in the Swedish uh, Uh, competition, but I actually pulled it the day before it was going to be announced which songs were going to, you know, be in in Melodis because I was not really happy with the um, the artist that was going to sing it with the demo that I got as late as the day before. So um, it felt a bit awkward because it's like it's such a small industry and everyone knows everyone. Um, yeah, everyone knows everyone. And um, I had felt a bit excluded. So I was happy that Louise wanted to do something because that's like, I mean, I write all types of different of genres. And I had like starting to be this uh, schlager hicksa. Uh, and uh, uh, yeah, but that's what they call me in Sweden for fun, you know, my friends and, and yeah, people in the industry. And I've always been very indie and very alternative in everything that I do music-wise. 
So it was kind of like, you know, like life running with you, like, yeah, like laughing at you, like, ha ha ha, look, look what happened. You know, this is what people know you for and music wise. So it's, it's, it's fun, but it's also like, it's, it had been a bit, a bit of a like strange parallel for me coming from such another music country, I would say. So um, it was very nice to show like this more rock pop, you know, I mean, this whole stance is very like her integrity and. Um, so it was really nice doing it that year and also like being a part of the Swedish one like it was almost like aligning and coming together like and I remember it was so much fun and you know and yeah I'm definitely going to try to put some time um, away so that I can be in the Swedish one again you started working with Louise Hofstian? I had like a management for like the short period and she knew her and Louise had been like struggling with writing with the same people all the time and she felt like she wanted to renew and like freshen up and like yeah do something different so we yeah she just put us together and from like the first meeting where we sat down and talked we had really like the same kind of way of looking at life and uh, of, yeah, the same kind of music uh, vibes. So we've been working ever since, uh, which has been really an honor. And so she's one of my, yeah, closest friends nowadays. As you said before, this wasn't your first attempt to get into Melody Festivalen. Uh, the year before, you submitted a song that later you yourself withdrew, as you said. This song we have already played in the Swedish podcast that I am throwing to. And this song was called Sanna Joanna, I guess. Oh, yeah. That's not the one, actually. Because that, uh, that one didn't make it because it was supposed to be with John Johansson. Yes. And, and they really wanted the song. But for some, I don't really remember now, so I'm not going to sit here and like pretend that I do. But I, <laughs> I think that he, you know, but he was going through some separation with his wife and you know, having a, r- a real hard time. That's why we wrote that kind of lyric. Yeah. And um, he wasn't at that point that he could like, you know, be a part of the whole competition, if I remember it correctly. But I'm not sure. But it was something like that. Om Joanna, we don't play no role. So 
But um, the song that I, I'm talking about is actually an other song. And I probably have a demo of that song. But that song is released now with a uh, burlesque um, pop group in Germany. Yeah, that we did a whole record for. It was a single. It ended up being a single for them. It's called Mr. Uniform. And we played your version of that song too in our Rejected uh-huh. series. I remember now. So we, we take it again. Okay, cool. <laughs> Mr. Mr. Don't you know I'm Mr. Mr. Even though I haven't kissed you. ask here i already know the answer but i know that many listeners now wonder who was that artist that you rejected to be honest i don't even remember her name because i'm like a goldfish probably because i'm like super overcreative all the time so my my brain don't really store things that i don't feel you know that i don't think is so important normally when you turn in a song Um, I mean, at that time, now it's different nowadays, but uh, it was supposed to be like, they normally go with the one singing on it. And that was me at this time. And when they asked first, I was like, oh, no, I don't know. I don't think I'm, I don't know. That feels strange, maybe. And could I? And I needed some time to think about it. And then I actually, I felt like, yeah, but you know, I mean, I'm me. It doesn't matter in what context. People will still understand that I'm me, you know. So I said yes. And then they said no. And I was like, okay, uh, why not? And they were like, well, you don't have a track record. And I was like, but I've just like won the whole competition. And, you know, people know me as a writer. And I think, isn't that a beautiful way of presenting an artist? Like, and she also sings, and this is her when she does it her own way. But they didn't feel that. They felt like they really wanted to go with her. And I was like, okay, but let's, let's give it a try. And then like really late, I got... I just got a demo back and it just felt like a different song. It, yeah. I have to guard the songs. I mean, it, they come through me and I can't just give them away and feel like not give them justice. <laughs> nope. I'm guarding this song. I'm keeping it. So, so that's what I did. And I mean, I understand that not so cool for everyone because it ended up being a bit of a trouble, but at the same time, it, yeah, it had to be that way. So. In 2014, you were back in Eurovision, but not for Azerbaijan, nor for Sweden. How come you ended up in Ukraine? That's a good question. I think I think the ones that the team like around Azerbaijan, they had gotten a request to work uh, around uh, Ukraine that year too. Yeah. Um, so they they reached out to me. I mean, she had actually written this song. This first draft of the song. The rhythm of the clock cannot predict my love. You talk, baby, when you talk, talk, talk. You make me glow, my love is I mean, the whole shell of the song was really good, you know, and it had a lot of potential. And I'm that kind of person when someone shows me something that I know exactly what to do with it to make it like super duper, I just can't say no. So I was like, okay, let me do it. Let me get into the song and just, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. And I got that whole metaphor about the, the heart being like a clock. 
Um, so uh, right away, so I just felt like, okay, TikTok, for me, that's like the heart. And, you know, so she let me like go over the lyrics and change as much as I wanted and take away some parts and also go in with the melody changes. So uh, she was easy working with, which was nice. up with the idea about the hamster wheel the hamster wheel well that was not me <laughs> <laughs> i definitely remember because because normally what i do when i write the songs i also go down and you know i'm a part of the whole like i do the whole vocal i will say coach coach because i'm not trained that way but i'm pop coach and english coach of it and like feeling um, uh, you know the how it's supposed to be uh, print, like um addressed and stuff yeah. and i did that with her that year and uh, i remember we had that hamster wheel in in the rehearsal space so it was there all the time <laughs> <laughs> this year conchita wurst won with in my opinion a fantastic performance and she gave a heartfelt speech upon winning this night is dedicated to everyone who believes in a future of peace and freedom. You know who you are. We are unity and we are unstoppable. Do you agree that this was the right winner? Yeah, most definitely. Oh my God, yes. I mean, the whole movement, it's just, it was, yeah, it was so, like you say, it was so heartfelt. Yeah, it just aligned with time. It was definitely the right, the right song and the right artist. In 2015, you were back for Azerbaijan with the song Hour of the Wolf. And before I ask about this collaboration, I wonder, were the lyrics written with the Ingmar Bergman movie in mind? Oh, I didn't see that one coming because I've actually not even thought about that until now. <laughs> no, not at all. Okay, yeah, I'm a bit shocked. No, I haven't thought about it at all. But um, that whole collaboration, I, I came in very late. They had written the song uh, and the melodies and everything for it, but but the lyrics weren't on point. And they, I think they had more like blah, blah, blah lyrics. And um, yeah, so I, I kind of, I was more like a lyricist on that one. Okay. With the melodies and then I came up with the topic and I wrote the lyrics for it pretty much. No. If Elnur Husseinov, the only artist that was offered to sing it? That's a really good question because it wasn't like my baby to start with. So I actually don't know. The song ended up in a 12th place. Was this a disappointment for you? I mean, your previous songs for Azerbaijan and Ukraine ended up at 1st, 4th, 5th and 6th. Um, not really. I mean, my ambition is to take 1 to 10, all of them. So I have, I have some ones left to fill. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But I mean, it's also like, I, I feel like it's easier 
when you write the whole thing, like melody and lyrics at the same time. For me, it's easier to really make this like the best, 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 best song ever. And that's what I did the first three years. And then with TikTok, I, I feel like it was so cool that she was a female writer coming from Ukraine. So I just felt like I had to jump on that one for, you know, just female and growth and especially in that area of the world. But with this song, I was more or less like, they were really like, well, we, we, we need, we need, we need. And I was just like, right, let me do it. You know, and I really like Eleanor and I, I like his way of singing and he's very charismatic and everything that he stands for. He's such a sweetheart. So I just felt like, okay, let me do it. But I wasn't as involved. I mean, I was at home. I didn't go down. I was super happy with the whole lead thing they did with, you know, the wolf and everything and the full moon. Yeah. Um, so I, I, it wasn't a disappointment at all. I actually think that he got a, a nice place with that song. The year after, in 2016, you took a vacation from Eurovision. Uh, I mean, no songs in any national pre-selections. How come? Uh, because I've been doing my, a lot of uh, my own things, um, music-wise. And uh, also, um, I just felt like, you know, I need a bit of a break. Happily for everyone, in 2017, the break was over and the song Skeletons <laughs> became the song for Azerbaijan that year. And I really like that artist. And I had uh, been in contact with her before because, um, uh, yeah, how was it? I think it was, I think she was the backup singer. And I don't remember which year, but she was the backup singer. So I knew her and I had worked with her because I was the vocal coach for that, uh, that year. Yeah. And she's really edgy and she's outside the box. And once again, like coming from that area, she's, she was like super like, I'm going to do it my way and I don't care what you say. And so uh, when they asked me if I wanted to write with her, I was just like, uh, yes, of course. I couldn't like yeah, not do it. And yeah. uh, she came in with her like super high buffalo shoes and I was just like okay so how are we going to do this because they tend to really go for that really really beautiful girl that is very like traditional beautiful like long hair and you know every attribute so I was really happy hearing that they would go with you know short hair and like you know much more a tomboy and you know and opening it up a little bit so I did the same thing with the lyrics so I knew that I could be quirkier and much more outside the box with the lyrics and that's what I did with skeletons then that horse head if you're going to ask me about that I did not know about that horse head and if they would have asked me I would have said uh, no thank you very much <laughs> good now I don't need to ask you about it yeah uh, I believe it was um she was backupping uh, in 2016 behind Samra uh, with the song Miracle. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, because we were in Stockholm, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's correct. It was a year. To my surprise, the song ended up in just a 14th place. I still think mm -hmm. it's a great song. A fantastic piece, I must say. Except the head. <laughs> I, I think it was the horse head's fault. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's so weird, you know. After being like a part of it for so many years, you also 
that's like, I mean, it's like you said, like the year we won, it was like, uh, what? And it was the same this year. So it feels like a little bit, like in some years you just know, like when um, Euphoria won, I mean, every, we just knew right away, like this song is going to win. But then a lot of years you just really don't know and it, and it can go either way. And it's, I, I feel like it's like this whole movement, what the world is going through and what it needs at that certain point. And it ends up being that song that kind of reflects that. And that's what's so cool about this whole competition that, you know, we're not actually like competing with like, which is the best song and who can say what, what is the best song and, you know, what attributes. But I felt, I, I mean, going back to Skeletons, yes, I, I thought that we were going to end up at least top 10. I did. Yeah. Me too. Mm-hmm. 2018 was the first year Azerbaijan didn't reach the final, but also the last time you competed in Eurovision till this date. Tell me, why do you think your composition never reached the final? I don't know. This year was one of those years, too, when they asked me very late in the collaboration to write lyrics. I mean, to be honest, it's very, when I create music, uh, the melody and the lyrics, they most of the time, I mean, always, they come at the same time. And I don't mean like I have the whole lyric and I don't do anything with it. I mean, no one does that. But like the topic of the song and most of like the keywords, the title is there at once with the melody. And they kind of, it's like a, like a marriage. And I think you can hear when a song has been melody wise done first, and then someone has to add like lyrics upon it as close to the melody as possible. Yeah. And that's not, that's not an easy job. For me, that's much, much harder because you have to follow someone else's melody language, which is not your own. And then you have to find like a good topic and then you have to find like a way to, of saying it to exactly there like, nah, 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 nah. and then it's like, okay, well, that's one too much. And they're really picky about that in those countries. Like those com- composers, they're like super picky. Like they don't want to change one little thing. That, that, that song was really stressful for me writing wise. I cross my heart. felt a bit stiff to me from the start and it was hard it wasn't easy to write and normally that's like if if it starts that direction it goes that direction the whole way through everything and I think that's what happened that year and I I was home looking at it and I think I mean she sings really good and everything but they ended up changing the production last second because it was much more organic from the start when I wrote on it And then they ended up, um, like, last second, they felt like, no, we have to be more modern and we have to involve this, like, guy from, I don't know if it was, like, England or somewhere, like, because they were starting to feel a bit insecure. So they ended up changing the whole uh, production. So it was much more, like, mainstream dance And I actually didn't feel like that came together really nicely. So, yeah. Do you have a early production of the song that you're talking about that you liked more? I don't think I do because I have it with someone singing na 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 on it. <laughs> so it's not anything that we can use anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
how many songs have you presented for different countries' selections during the year? And what have happened to these songs? I have only done one for Iceland, I would say. Yeah, most of the songs that I've presented have actually been the ones and the, you know, being picked. It's always just come to me, you know. I, I don't sit, like, I know a lot of writers do, they, they, like, they put a lot of time into it, and it's almost like an art that they do, but... I haven't had the ambition, you know, and that's probably why it's come after me too, because I don't like, you know, I don't go for it. So it just, it just comes, but no, like only one. What happened to that song? That song was actually, they wanted to have this special artist. I don't remember the name of it, but it's like one of their big females and they wanted to have her and she couldn't participate last second that year. So the composer that reached out to me, they would pause the song probably until like, yeah, next year, I guess. Okay. So we'll see if it if it gets picked up again. In this podcast, I'm trying to be so unpolitical as I can, since Eurovision is a non-political platform. But I yeah. wonder, what are your views on working with a country with a rather flexible view on democracy? Has it ever been a problem for you? Um... It's not been a problem for me. It's been, I mean, I remember when we won and we actually, instead of going to Baku with a private flight and everything that the whole crew did, uh, we went home and we sat in the, in the couch uh, in, at the SVT in the, in the yeah. morning show because uh, we thought that was much more important. The first question we got asked was actually just that, like, how do you feel like, Uh, helping this undemocratic, you know, country winning and blah, 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 blah. So we got a bit bashed. And and I just feel like it's better that they actually get the whole world looking at them yeah. <laughs> and uh, and that everyone has to come to their country. So uh, that puts a lot of pressure on on, uh, on those kind of questions. And I feel like that's, uh, you know, an opportunity for them to expand and to change and interact with a lot of, like, open-minded people which you know Eurovision is all about um so I felt the whole yeah like like it was an opportunity to actually like influence them and I've felt the same way every year I you know when I work with them like because I mean of course off stage a lot of topics come up like okay we want her to have more makeup She should have this and she shouldn't have this. And, you know, I don't know how many people there are in the delegates. And they're always, like, running their artists way too hard. And, you know, they're over-singing them, so they lose their voice. You know, it's like every year it's the same thing. And I've actually, like, felt like it's very nice to be that little shield for the artist because they're under so much pressure. And also, like, since I'm an outsider that... I don't really, you know, I'm not scared of saying what I feel. I've actually had like an opportunity to interact with them and be like, you know what? I don't think this is cool. Like now you should back off a little bit or yeah, you know, like think of, think about it this way or so it's, I think it's been nice to actually be a part of it and try to, you know, rub off with something else that they don't actually know about because they don't, you know? Yeah. It must be fun as a creative person like you to work with an organization and country that has such an, an enormous budget. Yeah, I mean, it's wonderful. I mean, if someone tells you, like, sky's the limit, you just, like, you know, you just go ballistic. And that's what we've done every year. And that's why we've been able to have, like, Los Valin, you know, for the clothes and, like, 
uh, I mean, we've been able to work with everyone that we want to work with off stage and like on stage. So, yeah, it's been really, really nice. There has also been several accusations that parts of this budget has been used to sway voters in a more direct way. Every year, uh, Azerbaijan be accusing for this. I honestly don't know. I haven't like seen anything of that. So I don't know. And I don't I, I was wondering who who's actually spreading those rumors. That would be very interesting to know, <laughs> like who's starting it. Maybe it's like some neighbor country or something. I don't know. <laughs> And I and it feels like can you actually buy votes? I mean, maybe I'm very naive. Maybe I'm super naive. I don't know. I hope I hope that's not the way. Anyways, yeah, I don't think it's true at all. But what do I know? Have you begun working on any songs for next year so you can celebrate your 10-year anniversary by winning the Eurovision again? Oh, is it my 10 years anniversary next year? Oh my god, I didn't even know that. No, but maybe I should. Yes, you should. <laughs> maybe, I, maybe I should. <laughs> yeah, I want to do it with Stefan then. I mean, and now you're talking about Stefan Ern, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. If you could choose any country to compete for, which country would you pick? I think it would be the UK. Yeah, I think so. Or Germany. Yeah, yeah they both I definitely think. need you. Maybe yeah. you can do some PR for me while I, I write the song. <laughs> I promise. Maybe Mons can sing it. Definitely. That would be great. <laughs> Or maybe you can sing the song by yourself because now we all have proof that you can sing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that would be it. Uh, yeah, maybe that's how I actually, you know, celebrate by, by saying, hey, guess what? This is who I am. <laughs> Here I am. In retrospect, which is your personal favorite of your own songs? I actually think that it's uh, Drip Trap. Yeah. Thank you so much, Sandra, for this talk. Mm, thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it was super fun. I got to know like every yeah which year it was because I I honestly didn't remember that. <laughs> <laughs> And also thanks to you, all listeners out there. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, consider subscribing to Eurovision Legends on any of the podcast platforms, spreading the word to your friends and perhaps writing a review. You can contact me with suggestions, questions, opinions or whatever you feel like by emailing me at emil at or through our social media. Have a nice time and you'll hear from me again in a couple of days. Puss och kram, Sandra! Pisa